Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Ausbiz. That's great. To have your company as we kick off the afternoon, as we do as usual with the call. Ten stocks suggested by you, and we put those ten stocks to two experts to uh, give us their view of them. We do it all in an hour. Great to have Mark Morland back from uh, Team Team Invest. Mark, how are you? Excellent, excellent. Good week. It's been a very good week. How's the markets going in your eyes? I uh, don't really care. I mean, right. we. we uh, I don't watch it on a daily basis because right. at the end of the day, we're, we're, I'm, I'm accumulating. I've got lots of orders in, right. but I'm not getting anything. Right. Oh, okay. okay. So they're below Mark the market. Getting a bit I ahead want, of I want it to go down. I want right. it to go down. Okay. And uh, also uh, a newbie to uh, the calls panel, <laughs> and we're absolutely delighted to have him from Adelaide, my old stomping ground, Mark's old stomping ground. So you've got a panel all of South Australians here today, Tim. Tim Hadsman from uh, Catapult Wealth. Uh, welcome to the call. Good to have you aboard from our studios at Lot 14 there on North Terrace. Beauty, thanks very much for having me, Koshi. Um, now, give us a bit of background on, on Catapult, the business. Um, well, uh, Catapult was started by um, our founder, Tony Cat. Um, essentially, he didn't like the way a lot of the wealth management advice stuff was run. And so he got together with some of his mates and said, like, what, what do we need to fix? What 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 needs to happen for this to be a good ethical business. And that's exactly what they did. And I must say, I'm very proud to work for Catapult. It really is a joy to come to work every day. Um, we, we really enrich people and help, help our clients in, in yeah. the best interests in their heart every day. Good time. on you. Well, it's great to have you aboard. And uh, uh, we look at the 10 stocks um, that viewers have suggested, uh, Tony, but I always, uh, Tim rather, I always kick it off with a stock of the day, one that is in the news. Now, I thought we'd take a look at Simic Group today, 50% owned. It's 50% owned. Associate Bensia um, has won a $124 million contract extension with the New South Wales Land and Housing Corporation under the contract that will continue to provide maintenance projects and services in Sydney, Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. The initial agreement was signed in uh, way back in April 2016, but now it has been extended. Simic is uh, a business that's come up a bit here on the call, so it's a good time to check in and see what our experts think about. Tim, what do you think of uh, think of Simic? Look, you look at the chart; it's been smashed. I mean, it, it's certainly looking cheap. Um, what what we think is essentially these sort of um, construction type engineering engineering buildings are basically the same quality as airports. They're very risky. Um, you look at the history; you know, ex Layton's. Um, they had a lot of corporate issues and, and maybe it's happening again. So we're watching what they're doing in terms of factoring where they, they sell off their accounts receivable to get a short-term cash kick. What does that mean? Do they have liquidity problems? Um, and maybe gearing is worse than expected. I mean, we think that with the September budget, maybe they might get a kick and certainly this is good news for them. On the, but 
what they need to do is when they win contracts and they tender for it, they just need to get the, the budget right for it. So it's, it's essentially a, a very risky, low margin, you know, 5% margin business. Um, we, we certainly think it's a buy based on valuations, but investors just need to be aware of what they're buying. It is, it is on that riskier side of things. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in that sector where they do flaming big deals, don't they, all the time. But if they bugger it up, uh, the losses can be just as enormous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, what do you think of Semi? Um, it's not. It's not one that Team Invest has any interest in. So I don't no. know it well. I did. I did. I did have a look at it. Um, they had. They've, they've had a pretty uh, volatile time the last couple of years. They've, they've closed down a uh, company called BIWC, which was in um, the Middle East, yeah. uh, where and uh, they've thrown the towel in. And they've. I know they've already burned 820, 30 million on it, and, and there's more to come apparently. And that was yeah. in December 19. So yeah. So this is a. A business they set up and they've thrown the towel in completely. So right. They're paying everything out, so pretty yeah. big loss. Um, and the other issue, which was just mentioned then about the uh, debt, they're actually factoring their debt, which is to the tune of 1.9 billion. And that what mm. that means is you you have you 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 invoice your clients, and then instead of waiting to get paid, the finance company pays you straight away, and you That's pay right. you pay interest on it. Yeah. And this is unusual for a company the size of uh, 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 which is the old Leighton. Yeah. This is a very, I'm, 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 I was really surprised when I read that. Yeah. Uh, and you then, it does beg the question, as uh, Tim said, uh, you know, is there uh, more below the surface we don't know about? They also report their, their end of financial year is the end of, uh, is, it, is December. Right. So they haven't reported lately. So we, we don't have a, a real a take on uh, what's going on and you won't until the annual, the annual report comes yeah. in, which will have full, full coronavirus in, impact. Yeah. Uh, it's currently on a PE of 3.7, which, yeah. which is really low uh, for them. Their average is, is usually about 12, 14, if that's their normal PE mm. uh, over time. However, their earnings jumped up very significantly in F19, which is got to be some, partly to do, I think, with some of this uh, activity with write-offs and acquisitions right. they're buying and so on. So there's a lot of moving parts in this. Very difficult to really get right. your head around it. I was looking at the analysts, the forward uh, forecasts, and the, the earnings were $5.05. Uh, Last year, and the forward estimate is two nineteen for next this year and two twenty seven for next year. Right. Yeah, you know, which okay. infers that this was an abnormal year. Right. So that would mean that mean the P is really about seven right. on next year's earnings, yep. which, which is, is still, still which is still cheap. So low, if yeah. you think that uh, you know they'll uh, they'll uh, smooth over all the what they've done with the uh, write offs and so on and get back to business as usual, and you know the, the argue there's an argument to say there's going to be a lot of civic work. Uh, that's going to happen, um, yeah. and they're well positioned in Australia for that as well. So, yeah, yeah it, when the budget comes yeah, out, it's not it does, on yeah, it's not not us, not a team invest type stock, yeah. but but it actually looks pretty pretty cheap on balance. I think if you, if you're willing to accept the unknowns yeah. and assume that they're going to be uh, positive, even without high growth, but just to, right. if they get back to business as usual, right. then you know you you probably get a twenty percent return. Okay, but so um, Tim, so is it a well-run business, uh, and does the market have confidence in management because what uh, what mark was saying if we get a budget next week which you know all the kite flying seems to suggest there's got to be a big lot of infrastructure spend in it um they could be well positioned to be a beneficiary of it yes certainly and i think the, the australian business is probably the better run compared to its mother mothership but yeah i guess the history of it is a bit concerning, and, and, and like, like we've both discussed, what they're doing now is concerning. Um, I, I think it, it is, it's one of those things where you, you look at the other alternatives, is it, is it one that's for you? You know, it's very risky, 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, if you're carrying on the budget and, and reporting it in the year, I, mean, I think we're expecting earnings to be down by 15%. Um, it's just may, maybe you wait. Maybe you wait till after budget or maybe you wait till after, after yeah. the end of the year. You know, it depends on your risk okay. appetite, I think. All right. All right. Um, let's get into uh, the stocks that uh, you suggested we have a look at. And Mark Clare wants a, a view on Webjet, the online travel <coughs> business and travel booking business. Uh, I noticed the, uh, the travel companies are doing pretty well in the market today. There seems to be more optimism about borders opening up and, and getting travelling again. What do you think of Webjet? Uh, well, it's it's uh, purely online, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, Webjet's um, it's actually been a team invest uh, wealth winner for a long time. So it's passed yeah. our filters for years. Um, we had some issues with management uh, some years ago, which was not that they did anything wrong, but we met with them, they were quite young, and they kept on selling their shares, they weren't building up shares. Right. And we actually challenged them on that and said, uh, you know, we like, we like to have our executives and so on having you know, a skin in the game. You know, why, yeah. why do you keep selling all your shares? And one of them said, oh, you know, school fees, and so on, okay. <laughs> and the other one said, oh, I, need, I want to diversify my investments. And that was the wrong thing to say. Right. Because okay. you think about it, like, you're, there, you're yeah. in the business, you're in a high growth business, and that, he actually said he would rather invest his money elsewhere. That's what, right. that, that was a big turnoff for us. Right. So they've gone on to do well, though. So right. now, of course, they've been smashed because of coronavirus. And yeah. I think, I, didn't, I don't see coronavirus as a black swan event, but I think for the travel industry, it's a black swan event. Because right. nobody anticipated that the all the borders had shut and the whole yeah. industry would be closed down effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to come out of it. So, so if you look at them now, so if you forget about current earnings and treat that as being um, an aberration, there's no reason at all why Webjet won't come back to where they were uh, pre-coronavirus once once things open up. Right. Yeah, probably quite quickly. Same right. with uh, corporate travel and um, uh, and flight, flight centre. So what what that means if you look at them at the moment. Um, they, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I think, I think they're um, obviously their stability's going out the window, so that makes it hard for us. Yep. But I think uh, within a year or two, you have to be patient. Right. Uh, they're good value at the moment, and they've got quite a lot of initiatives in their business which they were working on. Uh, their beds business is really big, so I think they're, so they're second now uh, in size globally. I, I, what for I read, accommodation, yeah, in right. accommodation, which is pretty mm -hmm. big. So they've got other drivers apart from the, just the traditional business. So I think I think Webjet's a buy for patient investors. Right. Okay. Uh, because you've always liked flight center. We like we, well, you like, like corporate travel is our favourite in right, the space. Right. Then I'd say flight center and Webjet because right. uh, you like Graham Turner. Having, we do. We do having such a big stake in flight yeah, center. Yeah. We like yeah. founders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same yeah. with uh, Jamie Ferris at uh, Corporate Travel. Right, okay. Uh, and interestingly, just on that, while we're talking about it, he, uh, they've just done a big acquisition, yeah. uh, 400 million and doing a raising. Yeah. That's exactly what we expected them to do. Right. Because okay. what's happened with coronavirus is it's run out, a lot of the weak businesses have gone broke in right. the travel space. Yeah. So there'll be far less competition when we come out of this, yeah. which means the survivors, which will be Webjet, Flight Center <coughs> and Corporate Travel, yeah. uh, are going to be, even if the market's smaller, they'll probably make more money. So how do you prioritize them? What's well, your, we, then you look at the, the metrics of the business as well. Yeah. Uh, corporate so travel, like corporate travel? I had the strongest growth, had a lot, lot stronger growth than uh, Webjet. Right. Webjet used to have a high growth rate, and then it's dropped off over the last right. five or six years, whereas corporate travel is growing and has been growing pre-corona at over 20% right. compound okay. since, it since it listed. So it's really good. Flight okay. Center was very mature, very low growth rate, so yeah. you had to buy it really cheaply. Right. So it's not a... You know, it's not a dollars issue. It's a question of what you're paying for it that right. dictates your return. Right. Coming out of this, flight centers now 60% reduction in overheads. Webjets reduce theirs dramatically as yeah. well, yeah. which means they're lean and, 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 and they're going to come back into a market that's going to have pent up demand. I think they're going to do really, really well. Okay, all right. Um, all, all three of them. 
All three of them? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tim, what's your view on WebJet? Look, I agree. Look, when it comes to the, the reopening trade, when things get back to normal, travel stocks are some of the best ones you can go to. And I think um, the pent-up demand um, thing is exactly right. I mean, we saw when the borders reopened recently that I think they sold, what, 10,000 flights in 24 hours um, in just in general. Yeah, um, and then like. when we look at Sydney Airport, yeah, that's exactly. And we look at Sydney Airport, 60% of their revenues are based on you know, domestic travel and New Zealand. So likely when you think forward, what's actually going to happen? It's going to be domestic travel first, which is what's kind of happening. Then it'll be little pockets of single overseas countries, most likely New Zealand in our case, and then the, the greater reopening. Well, we're seeing stage one. Um, we think that uh, we're a bit concerned. I mean, with, um, with Webjet's MD, he had to sell some shares due to, you know, he stuffed up his own financing issues. That's a bit of a worry. And my understanding is that um, a lot of his options are already in the money. So that probably doesn't incentivize him to take a lot of risks, but maybe that's a good thing. But look, it's, it's one where it's, it's out of your hands. You know, what happens if there's a third wave in Melbourne? What happens, you know, border restriction stuff? You can't control that, but absolutely it's looking cheap. It, balance sheet looks okay. It's one that, you know, you, you look at, forget about it, don't even look at it again, and it, a potential will come back one day. Um, but there's alternatives, like maybe, maybe Sydney Airport's a safer play, but certainly we like it as a, as a longer term play. Okay, so you've got a buy on Webjet? Yep. Yep, buy. Uh, Tim? Yep, okay. All right, uh, our next stock comes from uh, John. It's in the uh, private health sector. Um, everyone shrinks when you talk about private health sector. Um, this one, NIB Holdings, Tim. Um, what do you think of uh, NIB, the, the Newcastle-based private health insurance group? Well, there's no doubt that it looks cheap. I mean, you look at the trend, but when, when we think about um, private health insurance, there, there's a problem that none of them solved, and that is that the young people, there's a trend of them falling off. So you look at it, it's basically three factors. It's investment earnings on its reserve, it's um, the rate of claims it has to pay out, and its subscription rate. We saw um, in the recent reporting there was a 1.9% spike in subscription. We think that's likely a short-term bounce due to people scared, look, if I get corona, I want to be in a good hospital. Um, investment returns are likely to be you know, poor. Um, and they've already made provisions for pent-up demand for, for claims, but is that going to be enough? That's the question. But for me, when I look at it, um, it's basically like a, it's almost like a pyramid scheme in that you've got the, the people at top, the older people, getting you know, new hip replacements every second day. But who funds it? It's the young people out at the bottom who don't really claim it. Like, I, I see the dentist every now and then, I see a chiro. But besides that, I don't really get very much value for money out of it at all. And so it's got a better return on equity than banks. How? It's because of young people basically paying money for nothing. And so what, what's the answer to that problem? Potentially the government has to step in and, and do something about it. But if they did that, I, I don't think that would actually be a good outcome. Um, and then we saw the government um, allow them to increase their premiums. Um, they, they've said that they're going to increase it on hospital only, not extras. But then you've got the little crocker, you know, HBF or whatever, saying, you know, looking for a zero. That's going to put a lot of pressure on the big boys to essentially not do that. And I think as, as affordability, which is the real issue that, that has hit a lot of the younger families harder, it's going to be a real problem for them. So for us, it's cheap, but it's a sell until they fix that problem. I don't see any solution in the short term. Okay. All right. Mark? Uh, we'll, we'll disagree on this one. Um, NIB's uh, been a wealth winner 
uh, for Tim Invest's uh, perspective for a long time. Whilst I agree with Tim, there is a political risk with the government, but yeah. the government, even the Labor Party, recognise they need we need private health insurance because yeah. the, the more if we stop paying private health insurance, it just increases the uh, load on the public system. Yeah. So there's no way uh, it's going away anytime soon. But it is a risk because yeah. it is a regulated business. Totally agree with that. Uh, having said that, the uh, fa the CEO uh, Mark Fitzgibbons um, is uh, very much a founder mentality CEO. He's very clever, very entrepreneurial. He's been very, very good at finding niches to uh, grow the business. So right. rather than competing head to head with Medicare and Medibank and so yeah. on, you know, he's made, he built up a very strong business in uh, travel insurance. So when the four, five, seven visa people come in, they have to have insurance. Ah. So they they will get them from uh, NHF. Okay. Well, uh, and they've got Qantas insurance. They're all white labelling, so right. you can get frequent flyer points and so on if you book your uh, health insurance through Qantas. That's all right. NIB. Right. So he's done a lot of these things. Now what the effect of that is is the industry has quite a strong headwind and has actually been declining based on the fact that you know the the value proposition yeah. for younger people is getting harder and harder to support yeah. it's just expensive yeah. and they are subsidizing the oldies that's nothing to do with nib that's government rules right you know so uh, this, this is we have socialism socialism uh, in med medicine without a doubt yeah. that's what this is yeah. so um, the thing is, um, he's managed to grow his every year their number of uh, um, uh, clients or members has grown against a declining market. Mm. So, so he's he's the standout good performer. Right. The other thing they do so is he's sort of the disruptor of private health. Yeah, but but in, in, a, in a subtle in, you, in a subtle way. Yeah. Run the yeah. And the right. other thing he's doing is he's been mopping up all the small funds. There's still a hell of a lot of specialised little right. funds around. You know, union type ones and industry ones. So he's it's and the longer it goes, it's it's very um, it's not cost effective to run a little tiny fund anymore right. with all the regulatory yep. red tape and admin and auditing. So yep. he's progressively been buying those up. So he's growing with that as well. Mm -hmm. So the returns on NIB for us have been well over 20% a year for uh, if, as an investment. Right. And we're currently, it's in the bottom, it's in the middle of the green at the moment on a PE of 18.7. Um, uh, um, that's in the bottom quartile of its PE range. So it's quite cheap. The other thing is they came out with their recent uh, uh, report, which didn't look that good. But one of the factors in it is they've provisioned roughly 100 million uh, for claims that didn't happen. So what happened was, because of coronavirus, um, because of the hospital's elective surgery being shut down, yeah. there was a far less claims uh, yeah. than normal. So NIB would have made a lot, of, they could have made an absolute super record profit if they wanted to. Wouldn't look good right. in the market. So what they've done is they've gone, oh, well, we'll, we'll take all that money out and we'll call that you know, future. I think they've overdone it. Right. Okay. You know, so now that's smart from his yep. point of view, because they, they also forestalled the uh, rate increase, which the government said anyway. Yep. And they're basing inflation based on uh, actual costs. Yep. So um, uh, yeah, I think, I think they're, uh, they're gonna come out okay. of this really well. So right. it's absolutely a buy from our okay. point of view, All right. the current price. Um, our next one, uh, Michael wants a view, Mark, on Premier Investments, the big uh, Solomon Lou's um, retail conglomerate. If you're a parent or grandparent, you would be spending a heap of money in Smiggle um, if you uh, have kids or grandkids because that's been a raging success. Uh, they also own Peter Alexander, uh, I think James West, and anyhow, it's a, a really um, a diversified retail portfolio. Mark? Uh, uh, yeah, well, Solly Lou's, um, this is his sort of flagship uh, yes. business, if you like, and yeah. he's a good manager. He, he's, yeah. um, there's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, except for his Meyer forays, which I don't quite understand. <laughs> but but apart from that, he runs he runs this uh, yeah. very well. It's so not a business. He's, he's got, we should explain from Mark there. Um, uh, they have a stake in Meyer, big stake. I, that big stake. I think he's the biggest shareholder yeah. or second biggest shareholder. 
and I think that interest in Maya is more a personal sort of fixation. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know how much he's lost, but it's in the hundreds of millions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been it's been Maya's been like a straight line down, oh, and he's been agitating. Now he's agitating management. Changed. It's like yeah. you know, it's been a losing bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Premier Investments, uh, quality companies, very stable. It's got very high stability, yep. over 90% stability in earnings mm -hmm. and sales, which for a retailer is really good. Yep. Um, uh, the return on equity has always been marginal for us, you know, around about 10%, so it's right. sort of at, at our minimum. Not too much debt. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the only problem I've got is that it's showing about 5.6% return at, at the current uh, share price of 2019, which is a PE of 18.8. Uh, 18.8 right. is quite high. Uh, for them, considering that their their EPS growth's been running at about nine percent, right? Okay. Compared to some others like uh, AX1, Nick Scarly, there's other yep. retailers, JB Hi-Fi, that yep. have all got higher growth rates than Premier. Yep. So there's nothing wrong with a lower rate, but you just got to pay a, an appropriate price for it. Yeah. So and for you're me, a high price. For yeah, a lower it just rate. cuts your returns yep. over time. So for me, it would need to be down to about the 1865 to get it into to give me a 10 percent return on a margin of safety, which is our conservative right. numbers. Right. Okay. Yeah. So good, good company. Yep. All right, but too expensive at the moment. Uh, Tim, what do you reckon of Premier? Oh, look, I think it's, a, it's an example of excellent management and very strong brand power. So obviously during COVID they had to shut down their stores um, and then they saw bumper online sales, which is probably a trend that was going to happen anyway. Um, I think they reported net profit after tax up 29%. You've got 300 mil um, net cash. Um, and when, when we look at it, when you strip out Breville and, and all that stuff and just look at the operating business only, it's only on a, a PE of around 12 times, which is actually quite reasonable. So I agree that the Breville stuff is a bit scary, but on, on its own, it's, it's not too bad. Good growth opportunity with um, Smigel and, and Peter Alexander. Um, we like it. We've got it as a buy just based on excellent management. And, and absolutely, like Smigel is almost you know, Corona proof. If anything, yep. you're probably buying more of that stuff to keep your kids under control, aren't you? So. Yep, exactly. I've forgotten their interest in Breville, which they've... But that's actually quite... I, I, I don't see that up. as a problem. I, I, yeah. um, Breville's been super successful. Right I mean, the share price has gone through the roof, actually, yeah. as well, which is, yeah, yeah. which is good for them. I think they own 28%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. biggest shareholder. So yeah. you can pick them, that's for sure. Mm. Um, uh, Tim, Andrew wants a view on Oil Search, one of our, our bigger oil and gas producers. Um, oil search, I mean, energy is basically the Adelaide Crows of the gig sectors, isn't it? It's just been absolutely <laughs> punted out of here. Um, terrible. I mean, we're not, not, there's no point even really talking about all the thematics around energy, but what, what you've got here is you've got a, a highly risky company in that, even within its own sector. I mean, it, it's, it's got the Papua New Guinea sovereign risk. Um, I think the last time there was a major earthquake in Papua New Guinea, it almost wiped out their operations there. Yeah. But that being said, our thoughts of the, the long-term thematic of, you know, that all this energy stuff is going to get replaced by clean stuff, it's just too far in the future for the, for the valuation right now. It just, it just doesn't make sense. The, the infrastructure isn't in play for energy to, to disappear off the face of the earth tomorrow. Um, I, I, we think that it's, it's a buy on the premise that you probably trade it. It's not one that's going to outperform the index, and certainly it's not one that you would hold until you retire. But the, I've, and I've personally had a lot of fun with it in times. It's been very hair-raising. But if you just buy you know, under 280 and whatever and sell both above 330, there's, there's money to be made. Um, it's a low-quality company, but right. it's, it's very cheap. It, you can't deny that it's cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, as Tim was saying, the, the extra level of risk is that exposure to New Guinea, too, is that where 
a lot of its um, yes. uh, production is. <coughs> well, New Guinea, far. New Guinea hasn't been a good place for uh, no, uh, you know, companies that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> typically in Australia. The sovereign risk. Yeah, I think that's high. that's all true. I agree with that. I mean, I can't even calculate a return on it. Right. Yeah, you know, that the numbers are all over the shop. It actually made a loss uh, in the last uh, period as well. So. Uh, this is no way, you know, we, what, what, what Team Invest wants is predictability. Yep. That's, and admittedly, energy can be hard, but not all energy uh, companies are like this. I mean, no. all sorts has been all over the shop. I, don't, I think it's been a very poor um, investment for, for over a very long period. It's actually 5.7 billion market cap, so it's, a, it's, oh, it's, not, it's not small. No. Um, so, no, zero interest in it. Right. I really okay. can't advise it. So, do you avoid that sector at the moment? Or uh, well, I've got, go one, I've got one. I've got one. I've got a. I've got a, in the Cooper Basin. I've got one which I'd class as speculative called right. Strike Energy. Right. Um, and that's done really well. And it's yeah. doing really well. And yeah. they've got fabulous resources. It's yeah. a, more of an explorer turning into a, into production, but it's yeah. quite close to the pipes and so on. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not the. There's not that there's not good companies. Right. Uh, it's just that all search. I've, I've seen all search over the last twenty years, and I, I think I owned it at one stage. Yeah. You know, going back many, many, many moons ago. Yeah. Um, it's just. It has yeah. not been a good performer. Tim, do you have a have a preferred, more, uh, if you like, investable oil stock that 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 catapult steer towards rather than a, a trading stock? Do you go for the? For well, the I, well, I think I think it's it's or Santos. It's all about sort of spreading it out. I'd say probably the safer play is Beach Energy. Beach, right. um, you know, all, all the Australian operations, but. Um, absolutely, I think just spread it out. But look, if if you're not if you're not haven't got the appetite for that, just avoid the whole sector. I think. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, our fifth stock has been uh, suggested by Peter and uh, Mark. He wants a view on uh, John Ling Group. Now, this is a a building services company in Australia. Um, but I love if you're going to be in anywhere. Uh, it would be in uh, being a building services group for insurance claims. And that's basically what they specialise in, yeah. don't they? If you've got, if there are defects in, uh, in, in big buildings, they'll come and fix them up. And they work a lot with insurance companies in that yeah. area, don't yeah. they, rather than, than their own projects, Mark? That's right. Uh, I'd never heard of it before until I look, uh, looked it up. It's only been listed for three years. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's not long. Um, it's, it's EPS growth's been running at about 15% since listing, so that's encouraging. But it's on a um, it's on a PE of 39 at the moment, oh. so that's a that's a very very uh, lofty price for a building company. Yeah, um, in my view, we 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 would want to see another two years before we would get interested in even considering it. Right. Uh, but its numbers look quite good. Uh, debt's fairly high; it's about 75% debt to equity, so it's very it's right at our limit. Yeah. Uh, return on equity is thirty percent, which is excellent, and it's got quite good stability. So, okay. uh, it, and its cap market cap is about six hundred million at mm -hmm. the moment. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's an encouraging looking company. Seems expensive for me at the moment, but right. I, as I, I, at thirty nine p is too high anyway, right. uh, and should be I reckon right. about what's the share price? Share price is at two dollars seventy eight. We should be about one ninety. Right. Okay. All right. So there's a big. But gap I wouldn't. There. Yeah, I'd want to see another couple of years. Right. Tim, <clears throat> what do you think of John Lang growth? Well, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, it's this sort of stuff. It's it's probably too risky for our appetites, um, and, and we want to see it run for a bit longer. I mean, I, I, when I when I think about the March sell-off, you look at you know APA Group and, and uh, Ansel. The sell-off, when you think of their actual earnings, didn't make sense, and that was the same in this case. You know, eighty percent of its rev comes from this insurance claim type stuff, um, and you know, Strata and all the all the other sort of business property management stuff. It does provide them a lot of opportunity to cross sell, 
I mean, that, that sort of insurance kind of stuff, that's non-discretion. It's going to happen. You're going to claim on it. You're going to, you're going to spend money on it no matter what. Um, I certainly think, when, when I think back of my times of dealing with stratas, I think, you know, I'm mm. paying this money for nothing. You know, what, what's the deal with that? But as an investor, fantastic. <clears throat> you know, bring it on. But absolutely, I think um, going forward, it, it's probably a good growth company, yeah. but you probably <clears throat> missed the boat. I think if you got in a bit earlier, yes. But I agree, I'd, I'd say avoid this one. Right, okay. All right, let's just check our uh, first five uh, stocks of the 10 we're looking at today, including uh, uh, stock of the day. Um, Simic um, is a yes from Tim. Um, Mark sees it as a buy at, well, at this stage. If you've got the a, stomach for it. If you've got the stomach it's not, for it's it. It's definitely not a team but invest. Not, I was about yeah. to say, it's not, not a team invest. <laughs> no, it doesn't shot. pass their filters, no. so... He's got to stick very much to the filters, but yeah. um, but if you've got the stomach for that sort of business, um, then it's at a good price at the moment. Uh, Webjet is a yes from both Mark and Tim. NIB, a yes from Mark, a no from Tim. Premier Investments, uh, a yes from Tim for Mark. If you could pick it up around that $18 mark, that would be uh, would be uh, fair of value. It's quite possible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oil search, a no from Mark. Um, um, I think Mark said uh, it's been a horrible company for a, for a long time. Uh, for Tim, he would only look at it as a trading stock. If you want to get in and out of it, it's not a long-term investment. If you're looking for something in that sector, uh, look at Beach as uh, probably a better option there. And John Ling, a no. So. Uh, uh, don't forget all of the stocks that um, uh, get two thumbs up from uh, both our experts go into the calls index, if you like. Um, and let's take a look at how that is performing over the <coughs> last week. That index is up 0.14% for the month, 0.3% and almost 10% since the 1st of July. Webjet um, from, uh, with the unanimous uh, tick from both uh, Tim and Mark go into the portfolio, and uh, and so will uh, so will Simic. If you look at some of the ones that have been added over the uh, last week or two, Battery Tech and Lithium ETF, which would have got a bit of a, a kick up today on some of the what was that Pendulum uh, Lithium uh, Pendleton mm. Lithium did the deal with uh, Tesla. Yesterday, the share price up 83%. Oh. Um, Algium got added in the last couple of weeks. Sydney Airport, Afterpay and Baby Bunting. And Fortescue went out of our index yesterday because uh, both Mathan and uh, Gorab said it's had a massive run out, sell out, take some profits. Can't see uh, the iron ore price staying at these levels for much longer. Um, if you want to check out all the stocks in the, in the calls index, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We'll keep track here each day. Uh, coming up in the next hour on Osbiz on the Pulse, uh, Clayton Howes from Money Me joins us. The uh, FinTech establishes a new $167 million warehouse funding facility <coughs> led by Westpac. Uh, they're going to uh, Clayton is going to explain what it is going to do for Money Me. That's at 1.30 here on Ausbiz. All right, let's get uh, stuck into the second five stocks you've, you've asked us to review. And Leslie, uh, Tim wants a view on ServiceStream, a, uh, a network telecommunications provider um, uh, specialising in uh, energy and water industries. Uh, what do you think of ServiceStream? 
Well, we've seen that as the NBN sort of runs down, it's seen weakness in its share price. It's obviously got a recent kick as the, they've talked about doing um, fibre to the, to the premises. Yep. So that's good. Ben. And I think they've seen the rising on the wall in terms of they've really diversified into utilities, which is good. It spreads it out. But um, we're going to say sell just because we don't like the contractors at this point in time. You know, you're the, you're the first to go. You don't have any moat. You don't have any um, really power to set pricing. Um, and we, we question, like, how much, how much expertise do these guys have over their actual clients? So what, what value do they add on their projects? With the real question being, how, how do they entrench themselves in these, in these sectors and potentially not. So I would say that there's, there's plenty of other better opportunities in this one. I would right. say uh, avoid this one. Okay. Mark? Um, it, it passes all our filters. We, we actually had a look at it the other day right. uh, in Sydney and discussed it. Um, it's actually, I agree with what uh, Tim said, uh, contractors don't really grab us either. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it doesn't mean that you can't invest in contractors, but we much prefer companies that have stable, uh, renewal, re repeatable income streams or annuity right. type income if you can find, when you can find them. Yep. Uh, yeah. Contractors tend to be lumping. The, the issue with service streams, they've done very well over the last five years in their earnings growth, but that's a large part of that's the NBN. So they were a major contractor of the NBN. Yep. Now that's running down now. Now they're saying, oh no, there's still plenty to do and they're doing maintenance. And, yeah, okay. But yeah. the point is, uh, that a lot of that growth was the NBN. So if, if that's now at the very least tailing down, yeah. then can they pick up more other contracting work to keep their growth rate growing? Because uh, they're on a PE at the moment of 15.9, uh, which, is, which is not that high, but their growth rate was 35%. So I think the market's already discounting them right. you know, on okay. the growth going forward. So uh, it's showing at the moment it looks cheap if they can maintain their uh, EPS growth. Right. So if I look at it on a margin of safety, uh, I've got, uh, I'm showing 13% uh, return uh, and that's with earnings growth of, um, uh, where are we, uh, 12%. Right. So we've, okay. we've taken it down from 35 to 12. Right. And then if they achieve 12% over the next five years, you'll get 14% actually, 13.99% uh, return at the current price, which is close to the bottom quartile right. of the PE. So okay. if you, if you, if you it's, it's a good business, uh, if you, if you don't mind the potential lumpiness of the contractor side of it, there's plenty of upside there because if they actually do better than that, well then um, uh, that, that'll look good. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So All I'd right. say it's a buy. A buy from you? Yep. Okay. Um, now, Jill wants a view, Mark, on Data3. This is uh, yeah. uh, basically a, a data centre business. Well, no, it's not a data centre business. It's, a, it's an IT What they mainly IT do business. is they provide... They manage software licensing and hardware licenses right. for government and big corporates and so on. Right. So they, in the old days, they used to do the uh, PCs on the desktop and they'd put them all in, put the Microsoft Outlook oh, on okay. and do all that. Back and, in the and, old days. And make sure yep. it all worked. Yep. And then when it died, they took it out and put a new one in. That's what right. they did. Um, now, it's more about software and licensing. Right. And a lot of that's cloud-based, but they've got a high-level partnership with Microsoft. And their profit margin's always been razor slim. Um, it's in fact, I'll tell you what it is. It's, a bit of, it's about I think it's about one point two, one point five percent or something. Um, but their clients their are the, the big end of town. Are they? The <coughs> they are, but big numbers, big contracts. Right. But they don't take any risk. Okay. So basically, they get it. So they're yeah. the preferred contractor. So let's say the government orders ten thousand of this uh, data three, put it all in, and they guaranteed yeah. their income's guaranteed. Right. So okay. they're not financing it. So so there's a lot to like about that. Yep. Uh, we I was an investor in this many years ago, and I sold out uh, when we had the Gillard Rudd days, when because uh, most of their uh, income comes out of government, and when we had all the right. displacement of the political mess we got into, yep. it upset the political cycle for uh, IT procurement. Right. And all the IT companies struggled. 
So, so look at that five-year chart, though. Yeah, but you see the period there going in 16, 17, 18. Yes. So 15, 16, 17, 18 was all pretty flat. Right, yep. Um, and then Howard's kept them all the way through. And right. he was telling us the other day that he, he compared his returns. He bought Data3 about 10 years ago, about the same time he bought uh, T&E. Right. And his, his total return is higher on Data3 than T&E, which I was flabbergasted. Yep, I was wow. flabbergasted on that. Uh, not by a lot, but the point yeah. was he stuck to it, yeah. and over the last three or four years they've done uh, they've done really well. So the growth they're growing at fourteen percent a year yeah. with ninety eight percent stability. So very high stability. <coughs> uh, it's got uh, virtually no debt. It's now well, debt's gone up to thirty percent, but that's um, I imagine leases under yeah. the new accounting rules. So it's a quality company. It's just too expensive. Right. It's uh, currently on the very top of the red, which means at a record high P of 42, right. time, 42 times sure. earnings, which for a 14% EPS growth is absurd. Yep. So okay. you, you wouldn't want to pay more than 20. So it's about double the price of what it should be. What and by the way, that's gone, that's gone a long way towards Howard's returns. Right, okay. So <laughs> it reverts back to a more reasonable price and T&E will have trounced it. Right, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, or if uh, a year ago, yeah. uh, well, a technology year ago. one would be yeah. well in front. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Data3? Um, I completely agree with basically all of that. It's, uh, it's a great company. It's done well. We've seen the results. Great management team. It's a company that's uh, in the past, it's always sort of under-promised and over-performed, yep. which is great. Um, we believe in the, the tech story underneath it, you know, the overarching. Australia's a very slow adopter of cloud-based tech, so there's certainly more growth in there. But it's just, it's just run too hard at a PE42. Um, its market cap's a little bit too small for us. Um, so we, we're, we're, we would avoid it, we would sell. There's plenty of other better options out there, a um, bit better quality. Um, Next DC is another way you could play it. Um, yeah, personally for us, it's, it's a sell. Okay, all right. Uh, Tim, Henry uh, will go to you on, uh, on Alliance Aviation Services, saying it's based in Adelaide. Good Adelaide-based company. Um, it's a, a, a charter airline business. Uh, would you call it an airline or a mining services business? <laughs> but whatever you call it, if you call it an airline business, it's done bloody well during COVID, hasn't it? Yeah, what a surprise. What a surprise this has been. You know, it's funny, you know, Warren Buffett said he'd never invest in airlines, and he did, and he you know, blew up in his face. That being said, we're going to say it's a buy. Um, this, is, this is an example of a company that's benefited from the Virgin collapse. I mean, yeah. the new Virgin 2.0 basically saying they're not gonna play in this space, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, and they've just basically, they've shifted and moved, they've pivoted fast, and that's exactly what you need in times like this. So they've done a great job. They've won a contract from Queensland government. They've won a contract from South 32. They're putting on new, new um, aircraft. Um, they've got new routes um, planned. Um, they've just done a great job. I think total flying hours was down 1%, but Rev was up by 7%. Um, fantastic. And a lot of the, the flight restrictions are basically gone now. So with very stable revenues, I think what, what 40 to 50% of it's all just basically mining contracts. That's pretty stable. And we do expect, even though iron ore prices might come off, we do expect the mining boom to continue in terms of China's infrastructure lead recovery. So um, it, it's done very well. And um, yeah. I just think the, the consolidation industry is looking really good. So yeah, for us, it's a, it's a buy, but very risky. Obviously, any time it's an airline, it's very risky. You just need to know what you're getting yourself into. Yep. But if, you're, if you've got the appetite for airlines, then yeah, it's, it's a goer. Yeah, yeah. It's, it does um, charters for mining companies, for fly-in, fly-out workers. Uh, during the height of COVID, it was the airline of the AFL and yep. uh, chartering 
um, and flying teams around the country to play in quarantine and things like that. They it's do a lot of stuff business. actually. They also trade planes, they buy and sell yeah. them, they run wet yeah, leases, yeah. Yeah. which I didn't know what a wet lease was, I had to look it up, and that means <laughs> they provide the plane with the crews and fully managed and stuff. Right. So, you yeah. know, like Virgin can say, we need another plane, yeah. Alliance would supply, supply the whole thing and run it for them, right. you know, for yeah, so yeah. much per flight. It's a, the more you, I, I didn't know much about it until a couple of weeks ago, the more I looked into it, I thought, it's pretty well run, and yeah. they do. Um, it's smart for an airline business. Yeah, uh, from my from our perspective, there's a fair because of the, the it's quite it's been quite unstable, you know, with with the uh, with their earnings and so on. It's been all over the place. Uh, yeah. I agree with everything Tim said. It just means that the variations for us are quite high, you know. And yeah. So so it looks on our default me metrics, it's it's showing 14% return at right. the current price, which is good, that's okay. And on, on safety, it's minus four. Oh, okay. So that's, that's, that's your range. Is that, is that, when you look at that five-year chart, it's 47 cents and bumps up. Well, it's that big drop that you got uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that's the share price, run. which we don't really worry yeah, about. Yeah, but no. but, but the, the earnings have jumped around a fair bit right. as well. And okay. it's, it's a fairly capital-intensive uh, yeah. uh, yeah. business as well. Not an easy business yeah. to run. And at the moment, it's at the very top of their PE range. So it's currently oh, right. on 20. And we're showing that right at the uh, high end, whereas the bottom quarter, I was 11. Right. So right. E even if you liked it, I'd, I'd, I would probably uh, hang around for a while because it's probably it's, there's a good chance it'll come down right. uh, from that, but who knows. Okay. All right. Uh, that's Alliance. Now, Samantha, uh, Mark wants a, a view on IDP education. Now, this is a business that um, basically is majority owned by our big universities here in Australia and run English-speaking courses for foreign students to come in and go to their universities. So to get into that uni, you've got to learn English through that uni's language business. And I reckon it's such a great stitch up. Uh, although, it's, a, although, it's a terrific business model. And when all the unis uh, cry poor at the moment, their stake in IDP is worth billions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you're right. It's a bit, a bit of a conflict of interest. Yeah, anyway, slightly, the, the 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 issue at the moment, of course, is they've got quite a strong um, headwind. Yeah, you know, on, yeah, on the fact no that the airports. Are, the, the, yeah, yeah. That's right. But actually, it doesn't sort of show in their pricing. I mean, if their their PEs in the top quartile, it's actually quite high at 73 times earnings. Wow. And their earnings growth rate uh, was 15.9 per year average over the last six years. So that's good. 15.9 is good. Yeah. High stability. But no, there's no way that's worth 73 times earnings. Also, at a time where um, forward earnings has got to be in question, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when are we going to open up international? And it's not just Australia. They've got, they operate in Asia as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. But still, I think, I think um, there's a, there's, it doesn't seem to me that there's any um, discount built in for domestic so uncertainty on every, their earnings. Everyone says the market looks forward. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... Um, with the share price on the chart the way it is at the moment, it looks yeah. as though the market is saying, oh, everything's going to everything's get back rosy. to normal. Everything's rosy. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. by the middle of next year. Well, that, that's it's a big call. Yeah, it is a big call. Yeah, so we're showing it um, negative 0.3 on safety and about 8% on default. So right. at the moment, too expensive. Okay. All right. Tim, what do you reckon of IDP? Um, I think, look, in, given all the, the large cap stocks we've talked about, um, this is probably one of the better quality ones. Um, we put it on the same sort of stance as Webjet in that it's a reopening trade once things get back to normal. Um, yes, it is looking expensive, but we, we believe that the long-term demand for an Australian education is still going to be there. It's just, it's gonna, once yeah. again, it's going to be pent yeah. up. 
I mean, I, I saw discussions in the US and their universities, them saying, look, if all the courses are online, how are you justifying charging the same rate? They, people want the face-to-face -face stuff. And I think the big demand out of India and China is still going to be strong. And essentially, we're benefiting from Trump being anti-foreigners. you know, foreigners. So it's, it's to our benefit. If Biden actually wins, it, it could be a surprise that um, IDP might come off, which is a bit of a concern. But for us, you know, essentially what it is, it's selling the same English test over and over again. What a great business. You know, what a profitable yep. business. They're starting to do it online now, which helps their margins. Um, They've got plenty of um, balance sheet cash flow. It's, it's just a, it's a squeaky clean, clean company that's very, very profitable. And they're developing a better pipeline in terms of more touch points with the student where they, you know, they get them into universities, but they also try and get them a job at the end of it. All that stuff is, is good where they, they, the student's kind of entrenched with them, they're kind of locked in with them. So the fact that there's you know, quite high barriers to entry with um, licensing and the fact that they're already in bed with the uni, so how does a new entrant compete with that? It's very sure. tough. Um, long term, we, we like it, it's a, it's a bond. Right. But see, um, to Mark's point though, uh, it is a great business. Um, as I said at the start, it's a, a really good business because they, they've really sewn the market up. But you look at that Webjet share price and mm. it's been bumping along the bottom waiting for the rebound. Uh, this one, it's already rebounded and, and quite strongly and there's really nothing to show for it. Would that be a concern, Tim? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, you could potentially pick it up um, for cheaper later. But, I mean, I, I would argue, you know, you could say that about Afterpay. You know, like, what if it doesn't come down? What if it never comes down? I mean, I think the, the thematic there is pretty strong. I think Australia's a great place for education. And the demand, and as, as the middle class, the rising middle class story um, comes through, it's, it's just going to get better and better. So yeah. um, certainly try and get it cheaper, certainly. But I think that the, the long-term okay. sort of anti-slowdown and growth sentiment, deflation that people are worried about, you've got to think about what, what companies, where are they going to get their growth from? And so when you look at companies that do have the potential to create growth, well, that's, you know, that's where you kind of, kind of have to sort of accept the PE ratio at the time. Okay. All right, our final stock, Tim, uh, comes from Alex, BWX, uh, developer, manufacturer of uh, skin care and hair care products, beauty products, some of the, the brands that they own, Sukin, um, um, Nourished Life brands, Mineral Fusion, Andalau Naturals. So not that I'm big <laughs> into this sort of stuff, and particularly hair products, uh, but they've got some good brands in their portfolio. Yeah, look, I, I would argue that with this natural organic stuff, I could go outside, grab some dirt, mix it in some water, oh, put it in a fancy bottle. And if, but if you've got the right marketing and the right management team, <laughs> make a squillion. And that, and that is essentially what this story is. It is fantastic marketing, fantastic management, and they've done a great job. They've got a great distribution network. Um, they've got Chemist Warehouse and Priceline and Coles, and I think in the US they've got um, Amazon. Um, it look, it's really looking really good for them. But I will say, you know, you think about the industry, very low barriers to entry, very high competition. It's just, it's just not in my appetite. Um, I think they've, they've done a great job, but for us, completely avoid this sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's a sell for us. Okay. Uh, Mark, what do you think of um, I, I largely agree with that. It's a marketing. It is about yeah, marketing. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of any of these brands, but they, as you said, <laughs> I'm not the target audience either. Um, <clears throat> if you're just looking at the financials and the numbers, um, they, their growth was quite good uh, when they listed, so 16 and 17, 
shot up and then it dropped down 50%, then dropped down again, uh, and, then, and then started to grow again. So it's, and they're about two thirds of the way back to where they were in 2017. Right. So none of that's very exciting. And then if you look at their uh, main numbers, return on equity is only 5%, return on capital 5.4, oh, which is woeful. Yeah. Um, a growth rate, we're showing negative minus seven average now over the last six years because of that drop. Um, modest amount of debt, that's not, really, that's not really a problem. So it just doesn't look uh, good on that, on, on our, any of those metrics at all. And it's on a 37 PE, oh. so, um, which is you know, very expensive as well. Yeah. So we're showing negative returns on both about 10% negative per year if you buy it now. Right. So, okay. uh, uh, so I wouldn't be buying it now or cheaper. Right. Yeah, yeah. And what's coming on? I was reading the other day in this sector, oh, Adore uh, beauty products are, are about to IPO in the next couple of weeks as well. Oh. So a uh, bit of competition in the sector. Um, let's uh, recap our final five stocks. Uh, Service Stream, uh, a yes from Mark, a no from Tim, a no for Data3 from both. Uh, Alliance Aviation, um, no from Mark, yes from Tim. IDP, uh, yes from Tim, no from Mark, and no for BWX. So out of today, Webjet, which was all already in uh, the calls uh, index, uh, stays there, and Simic goes in as well. Um, so Tim, really appreciate uh, your time today. Tim Haslam from Catapult Wealth. Uh, appreciate it. Enjoy your time on the call. Jimmy, thanks very much for having me, guys. I really Good enjoyed it. No, it was great having you here. Where, where's the picture, Tim? What's that background? Where's that? I was trying to visualise where that was in Adelaide. Uh, that's on North Terrace. Oh, that's just uh, at the front of the old um, RA, the old Royal Adelaide oh, is Hospital. It? Okay. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, which is just around the corner yeah, from, I know where it is, uh, yeah. from Lot 14. Mm. Uh, and Mark Morland from Team Invest. Good to see oh, you. Thank you very much. An all South Australian origin call today and there should be more of it um thank you for joining us today look if you'd like to um uh, add any stocks for us to have a look at you can email uh, them to us your suggestions uh, the call at osbiz.com.au or if you're on twitter use the twitter handle at osbiz tv a reminder that uh, if you want to see all of the uh, stocks in the calls index head to osbiz co forward slash portfolio uh, get the latest on what's been happening in the day in business and finance delivered straight into your inbox at 5 30 every afternoon uh, subscribe to the cob uh, you can do that by going to osbiz.co slash join and scuddy and nadine will give you a wrap up of the day then this afternoon on the startup daily show uh, we talked to the chief executive and co-founder of picklebet Nicholas Heaney. Now, Picklebet is a new betting company specifically for the billion dollar esports industry. It's got a uh, global ga gaming license to, uh, to cover esport, and um, Picklebet's an Australian grown business and going through a capital raise at the moment. So that's on the Startup Daily Show between two and three. So, a lot happening here on Ausbiz this afternoon. Stick around. In the meantime, we'll see you tomorrow, same time for the next edition of The Call. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.